Welcome to the Natural Health Rising Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, Certified Functional Diagnostic Nutrition Practitioner. I'm here to deliver you weekly episodes where you will hear conversations with health experts and solo episodes about functional medicine and all things holistic health. My goal is to provide you with the knowledge and tools you need in order to help you rise to your healthiest, happiest self. So on this episode of the Natural Health Rising podcast, I have with me Aliyah Avalon. Aliyah is a naturopathic physician, kundalini yoga instructor, and a mother. She helps women restore their hormones and skin health naturally. Her approach is addressing the root cause of the person's dis-ease and offers a holistic approach to restoring their health on a physical, mental, and spiritual level. Welcome to the show, Aaliyah. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I am excited to talk to you today because one, we're actually, we're good friends and I have experienced some of the things you teach, like your Kundalini yoga, which is absolutely amazing. So at at some point we'll get into that and talk more about that today. Um, But let's start by just having you tell the audience a little bit about your journey and really what got you to becoming a naturopathic physician. Absolutely. It's quite a divine timing and how it all worked out. And at a young age, I always knew I wanted to be a healer of some sort. I have come from a family of many practitioners, nurses, even ENTs, and they all have, we all have that big heart of wanting to heal. And as I watched my mother grow and work in the ER for most of her life, I think it was about 15 years at the time, I saw her health rapidly decline despite her having so much access to healthcare. The hospital covered so much of her healthcare. And at one point she was on about 15 medications at age maybe 42, 43, a very young age. And she wasn't getting better and she wasn't feeling better. So I wanted to dive deeper into that. I wanted to become a nurse. And so I went right over to pre-nursing school and decided to do anything I could, learn anything I could to support my mom. And within the nursing program, they had an elective and it was only uh, one credit course. And this course had covered botanical medicine, naturopathy, homeopathy, and nutrition. And first day I sat down in that class, this, our professor, there's only nine students in the class. And she essentially laid out to us that our food is not what we think it is. It's extremely toxic. What's sprayed on the food is also very toxic. And the nutrients are very depleted. And at that time, I was maybe 17. I was pretty much very shocked. I was not aware of anything that was going on. And I was just living my good old standard American life. And it shook me up a little bit because in the program I was going to into nursing, it wasn't aligned with any of the things that I was learning in this one credit course, ironically. And so that was when the awakening started to be come into fruition. And the next week, In that class, I had a naturopathic doctor come in and he pretty much shared with us how he was in like stage three Lyme disease on doxycycline for a month and healed his Lyme disease by stopping the doxycycline and starting a full raw diet, even raw meat, which to me now would be still very extreme, but it worked for him and he got better and he never looked back at any medication And to this day, as far as I know, still has that Lyme disease under control. So that was very eye-opening. And right after that class, after that day, the next day I looked up like, what is naturopathic medicine and where are the, where's the closest school? And I was over in Connecticut at this time attending Westcon and about 40 minutes from me at that time was University of Bridgeport, which was one of the five naturopathic medical schools and all of the rest of them were on the, on the west coast so this was pretty divine for me to have a, a naturopathic school just 40 minutes from me I had my daughter at the time she was two or three and 
I was really shocked to see that it was so divinely aligned and so close to me. So I immediately transferred that next year to University of Bridgeport to get my pre-naturopathic medical degree and came over after I graduated, came over to Southwest College and brought my daughter, drove with whatever I could fit into my car. And I knew, I just immediately knew this is it. Southwest College has an amazing program and also scope in Arizona. Came out here and have been, have successfully served my mother since then. And she's been, of course, through med school, my little guinea pig, because we, the second we enter med school, we want to heal everyone and support everyone as best as we can. And her lupus, her rheumatoid arthritis, her osteoarthritis have all been in remission. And she's been doing so, so well just through diet changes and through maybe some prolo injections for her osteoarthritis. She's been doing amazing. And my stepdad reminds me every single time we meet up to this day, like you were honestly a blessing in her life because mm. she was driving herself into the ground. And ironically, just being in med school and learning about diet, learning about nutrition, health, wellness, and all these different ways that we can heal. I also had supported my own healing journey, which was my acne that I had for 12 years, which wasn't really much of a big deal for me at, at one point. Through teen years, it was terrible. I was so, so self-conscious. And as I got older, I was like, you know what? I'm just, I'm over it. And I really didn't, didn't care, didn't mind what other people thought until I got to naturopathic medical school. I realized this is actually a sign that something is going on deeper in the body and there's probably inflammatory process to it. And so not only going through my mother's healing journey, but I also shifted a lot of things in my own life that had cleared up my skin ever since. And I was always told my life, it's genetic. You're just going to have to deal with it. And mm. that's it. <laughs> so mm -hmm. It's been an honor to, to learn about it in my own journey, to support my family in their healing journey, and to really look back and realize that throughout all my life, I was offered drugs, I was offered medications, and something deep down, I knew it wasn't the best route for me at that time. And mm -hmm. you know, being 13-year-old, 14 years old, and being offered Foglin and Adderall and as me, like a young girl, like, no, I don't think this is right. And my mom's like, no, you've got to, you've got to take this. Like, I think you have ADD. And I'm like, I know I do, but I'm not taking this. So I was always just this black sheep in the family that had this awareness that eventually came into fruition of full-blown, this is absolutely my truth and this is what I get to do. Hmm. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, and that's so amazing that you just like deep down inside knew that you shouldn't be taking that kind of stuff. And I had a lot of similar feelings when I didn't feel well as well, like years ago. And I was like, man, I know I should probably take Adderall. I know I should probably take birth control and all these things to help with my problems. But there was something, same thing, like something inside of me that was like, this just doesn't make sense to me. And like, I don't want to rely on this kind of stuff. There has to be a different way into fixing this. Um, but I want to touch on what naturopathic medicine is to start actually, because I feel like a lot of people still don't know what it is. And I remember I didn't learn about it until probably like four or five years ago when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do too. And I stumbled across some things online, some podcasts. I was just blown away. And then I come to find out that, well, there's only, I, I forget the number, but like 25 or 27 states where there's actually licensed naturopathic doctors, because there is a difference between the naturopathic doctors and like naturopaths, which very different. So can you explain a little bit more just so people are aware, like what is a naturopathic doctor and what do you guys actually do? Yeah, sure. So there's there's three main doctors in that are licensed, licensed physicians in the US. And that is going to be a traditional MD, medical doctor, a DO, which on the spectrum of holism, holistic medicine is a little more 
leaning towards holistic medicine, but they actually are able to be in hospitals, which is a great. And then there's on the far end of the holistic spectrum going to be naturopathic medicine. And essentially, we are all licensed to be able to diagnose and treat conditions, but our approach varies tremendously. So conventional medical doctors are going to be somewhat on the more invasive and not invasive in, in means of like always surgery, but invasive as in like palliative and kind of intervening in the symptoms themselves versus naturopathic medicine on the other end of the spectrum is going to be more geared towards treating the cause, removing the obstacles to healing and using modalities such as diet, nutrition, sleep. And then from there, we have homeopathy, nat uh, natural herbs such as botanical medicine. And then if those things aren't working and we're giving the person's body all of the basics, a good environment to heal in, then we can move on to the pharmaceuticals. Then eventually if they need some things like surgery. So really it's our approach and we are licensed and trained in all of the regular medical doctor modalities such as the pharmaceuticals, except surgery. We're not trained in surgery, only minor surgery. So just removing moles and removing lymphomas and cysts like that. But our approach is going to be, let's start with the basics first. For most of us, of course, there are naturopaths that swing on the other side of the spectrum because it's in our scope of practice. And there's definitely, yeah, like I said, a spectrum of different techniques and approaches that within the naturopathic medical degree we can use. Now, as far as traditional naturopaths, they are not licensed doctors. You can actually, I believe, go online and be certified as a naturopath with like some six week course. So that is just going to be diet, nutrition, and I think that's about it. With those naturopaths cannot diagnose, they cannot treat, and they aren't trained in all of the safety regulations of how safe and dangerous herbs can be, how safe the safety mechanisms of uh, knowing how to use and prescribe pharmaceuticals and things like that. So there is a, definitely a difference there. And then also there are only 28 states, I believe at this time that are licensed to accept naturopathic, naturopathic doctors as doctors. So we'll see some students that go through naturopathic medical school, they become doctors, but they want to go home to their home state and they'll just be not actually practicing as doctors, rather they'll be practicing as naturopaths, but they're fully trained physicians. They just, they can't order blood work, they can't diagnose, they cannot treat, but they can kind of guide people in, the, in a good direction or suggest certain things that are not overcrossing those boundaries, depending on what state they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really good explanation. And I, I'm glad that you made that differentiation between a naturopathic doctor and a traditional naturopath, because um, just like you said, like a traditional naturopath could just be like some random certification, not, not downplaying them at all, but like it's, it's <laughs> you don't go through the same amount of schooling. And if people know my story, I actually also went to naturopathic medical school for almost a year. And I got to see what really goes into that. And, oh my gosh, you seriously, you learn so much more than a regular Western medical doctor, because you learn all of that. Just like you said, study extremely hard that first year, all the sciences, all those things besides the surgery, like you said. And then on top of that, you have all these years of nutrition and lifestyle changes and herbs. And I just think it's like the coolest thing. And honestly, I put like naturopaths above all of those doctors, of course, unless there's like this emergency medical situation, we have a trauma or we have some major surgery we need to do. Yeah. You're going to go see a surgeon or, or an ER doctor, but I just, um, I just want people to know that that major difference and it's and just also, something, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And also just to give people, like I said, more tangible ex uh, example is if you have diabetes, like type two diabetes and you go into a natural, or, or let's say a medical doctor, their standard care and their standard process of care is going to be prescribing metformin, 
and possibly if it gets progressed enough, some insulin. And so the metformin, it's doing a great job of increasing insulin sensitivity so that the sugar can get into the blood easier because that's that into the cell easier because that's the issue. We don't want sugar lingering in the blood vessel for too long. We want it into the cell so it can actually do what it's got to do. If you go to a naturopath, they're going to most likely ask you, well, what caused this? Why have you gotten diabetes in the first place? Why is your insulin not sensitive? Let's look at your diet. Let's first cut out the massive amount of sugars and carbs that you're getting and see if that's the issue. If we start with the diet and we get you sleeping and we get your cortisol levels like balanced and your stress levels balanced, then we will exhaust other options if that hasn't worked. And so we're not just going to go right to metformin. Of course, if we have a type one diabetic and you know their blood sugar is completely uncontrolled, we're not just going to say, oh, let's start with diet because that's a gen- that's actually a disease that may or may not be fully curable, um, but well managed with insulin. So we're not going to take somebody off their insulin that is actually life threatening, right? We want to make sure that the disease that we're working with can be first addressed with diet, lifestyle, things like that. And, and honestly, diabetes, heart disease, and some of the most caused death diseases in the US can, are all preventable, including cancer. It can be prevented to mm-hmm. some degree, right? Um, and so those are the differences. And another good example is hypertension. When we see clients with hypertension, immediately they're put on beta blockers, they're put on um, medications, instead of all, all the things. With us, we can get you down, not only with the diet, if that doesn't work, it's too far progressed. We can also prescribe certain herbs and other natural means that will lower hypertension tremendously. And that's actually one of our favorite my, my partner and I's favorite thing to treat because we have such great results so quickly and treating the root cause of that can, can be very, very simple. And people, people love that because a lot of people just don't want to be, that CS don't want to be on medications. Have you ever tried red light therapy? I've been using this kind of therapy for probably about four years now. And I know it's always going to be a part of my self-care and health routine. Red light therapy reduces inflammation, increases blood flow it helps heal wounds scars and acne because it stimulates collagen production it improves joint and musculoskeletal health and helps balance your circadian rhythm which means better mood and better sleep personally i notice a huge improvement in muscle recovery time post-workouts when i'm consistently using red light therapy and it helps me maintain clear and healthy skin so right now my routine is every morning i wake up and I sit in front of my cozy red light machine and I meditate. It is such a peaceful way to start my morning and I feel supercharged and ready for the day afterwards. You can actually get 10% off of Cozy's red light machines by using the code NATURALHEALTHRISING. So you can head over to their website by going to the link in the show notes or you can go straight to CozyHealth.com which is spelled K. O-Z-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com. And again, the code is natural health rising to save 10%. Yeah, those are some really great examples. Well, let's get into more of what you deal with on a day-to-day basis, which I know is treating acne and skin problems. So Let's start by going over what are the actual root causes or like the reasons why people have acne? Absolutely. So acne is an inflammatory disease and it usually has root causes such as GI, gut issues, gut health issues. The gut integrity is just disturbed in some way. Hormonal. So hormones in the body are causing increased or off-balanced testosterone, estrogen levels, which will also lead to the acne. And then also liver health. So poor liver health. And we also know that the liver does so many things, not only detoxes, but it also excretes hormones that are not, are no longer uh, 
you know, needing to be used in the body. And so we get excess hormones in the body. We want to excrete them and clear them. And if the liver's not functioning properly, then again, that can cause and lead to the inflammatory process of acne. So <clears throat> something you'll hear people say is, oh, the liver, that's supposed to detox on its own. Like that, that knows what to do. What, why would you need to support your liver? What do you have to say about that? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad you asked because I just saw a post recently on this and it was all about, well, we don't need to detox it. It does it on its own. <laughs> and that's absolutely true. It does do it on its own. But at the same time, I love the analogy of the bucket and filling the bucket with water. And so essentially our body is the bucket and the water or the rain or any liquid that's coming into it, we'll just say there's toxic substance. And what's going on is that, yeah, maybe there's a nice set up drain at the bottom of the bucket, whereas the toxic rain or water enters the bucket, it can actually excrete and get rid of those toxins. But if it starts downpouring at a very heavy rate, which I would compare to our lifestyle in America today, the rain could be pollutants in the water, in the air, in our food, pesticides. Those are constantly filling up the body. And this bucket, this detox system, this drainage system at the bottom is not able to keep up in some cases, if not put in the, if the body's not in a really healing environment. So the liver is going at it and it's chugging along and it's doing its best and to take care of the pesticides you just ate. And then all of a sudden, you know, we take some extra medications that are highly concentrated and highly, could be highly toxic to the liver, such as not to name just to name a few, um, Tylenol, uh, we've got Advil, you know, the things that can disrupt not only the liver, but the kidneys. And then that starts to build up. And then a stressful emotional environment comes in and that starts to shut down certain cells and systems and organs from proper, properly functioning and if not thriving. And now the bucket's filled and now we're overflowing and yeah, the liver is still doing its job, but it's not doing it enough to drain all that toxic waste that's coming through. And for anyone who wants to believe that, yeah, the body will do it on its own, really look at, well, what's coming into the body and is it being released? So we always wanna know, are the people pooping? Are they sweating? And are there, is their liver properly working? And are they urinating properly? Because that's another means of excreting. And it's, it's incredible to see how many people aren't. And that's uh, just a side note how dangerous it could be to see this post that I saw that was almost practically viral. And it's like, stop detoxing. You don't need to detox because your body's doing it for you. And I'm like, well, a lot of my patients come in and are pooping once a week. And they say, yeah, my, my bowel movements are normal. I'm pooping once a week. Like, that's not normal. And that's one of the main ways we can extract toxins. So, mm -hmm. thank you for clarifying all that. And also, I love that you use the rain barrel analogy because that's exactly <laughs> what I use all the time. Yeah. And I originally, I'm wondering if you read this book because this is where I got it from uh, The Rain Barrel Effect by Dr. Stephen Cabral. I haven't. I think oh. I got that from a professor. Maybe he, okay. he read it, but that was the analogy he used in class. Dr. Stephen Cabral is the reason I got into like the reason I wanted to go to naturopathic medical school. And so he has a book called the rain barrel effect. If anybody wants to read it and talks about all breaks down all the toxins and kind of like how they affect our lifestyle. He goes into Ayurvedic medicine and all the things. Amazing. So really I'll, good. I'll definitely book. Check it out. Yeah. Well, when it comes to, okay. So we talked about the root causes of acne now, before we get into like the naturopathic stuff, what's the conventional medicine approach to treating acne? And then maybe tell us some of like the downsides or issues with using these conventional approaches. Absolutely. So one of the first things that will happen, and if you go into a dermatology office and you have acne is, and quite honestly, I, this was a while ago, this was when I was maybe 14 or 15 
2015, I went into a dermatology office and the first thing she told me was, oh, you have acne here, take this um, doxycycline. Take this very potent antibiotic. And I looked at her and then she handed me the script and she only looked, she only essentially saw me for like five to six minutes. There was no testing involved. There was no root cause finding. It was kind of just like spray and pray. Let's just hope this antibiotic takes care of it which it may have if it had a bacteria, bacterial component to it, to some degree. And so this is an antibiotic, a very strong antibiotic. And if I were to take it, which I refuse to, it would have essentially, like I said, sprayed and prayed and gotten rid of all the bacteria in my gut. And I'm sure many of your listeners know that our gut microbiome has good and bad bacteria. And when we take antibiotics, it will clear a lot, if not all of that, right? And it leaves us with now a barren GI system and a barren immune system and an empty, I'm sure it's not fully empty, but mostly like barren GI system, which is where most of our immune system comes from. And that will probably get rid of some people's acne, but it also, the cons to that is so much worse. And if we could do a more targeted approach, right? And actually find the root cause, what is the bacteria that's causing this? Is it an overgrowth? Is it viral? Is it a mold? Is it a fungus, right? And so when we target it, we actually treat the cause. And when we just spray antibiotics all over it, the risks of that are overgrowth of bacteria once you're done with the antibiotics, you have a fully healed the gut. And the lack of support of the, of the good bacteria is not there. So that could also cause a huge issue. And there's now no longer balance between the good and the bad. You could actually cause a flare up if the person does have say candida or another fungal root cause there. And mold can also come in and really take over if our microbiome is not healthy either. And so those are all root causes of acne, but this practitioner decided to just give me one type of medication that may or may not take care of any of that, if not some of it, right? Um, and then we also have something called Accutane. I'm sure many of you have also heard that. And the thing with Accutane is it's an incredible medicine. And I think it, it really does work in some cases. And I love that it does. But it's also highly liver toxic. And it also will require the patient to be on birth control as well, because it's so liver toxic. And it's also a teratogenic, meaning it, it can affect the fetus in the first month of conception really terribly. So while you're taking this Accutane, you don't want to get pregnant. That's why they put you on birth control. And so Accutane, again, may or may not work if it's not treated, but using um, the proper diagnosis of the acne. And then it's also very liver toxic. So it's going to slug it. It's going to make your liver sluggish. It's really going to cause other side effects that are un unpleasant. And now you're also on birth control, which is going to cause this influx and disbalance of hormones if it's not properly prescribed in, in a way that works for that person. So, and then of course, the, another medical conventional approach to acne is going to be just birth control. So if somebody has acne, they'll also be given maybe um, birth control that will help balance out their, their hormones, but as we know with the bucket analogy, that's just adding more toxic substance and more burdens to the liver for the liver to heal and clear out those, those hormones. So those are some of the top, some of the approaches that medical doctors will take and all of them have risks to them. And a lot of them won't find that root cause, mm -hmm. which is so, so important. And so, and yeah, so those are, those are, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's really good. Especially I'm glad you talked about the Accutane. That's something that I don't, I feel like a lot of people don't know about those, uh, side effects of the Accutane and real quick personal story for, so once I moved into a new ap apartment at one point, 
years ago, um, I started getting these really weird skin outbreaks, like weird, weird things. So I started going to all these dermatologists and they would be like, Hmm, yeah, I don't know what this is. Here's some doxycycline. So I would use it because I was like, Oh my gosh, this is on my face. And I'm so embarrassed. And I, and I don't know what to do. And so every time I would take it, it would work a little bit and then I would stop it and then it would come back and it would come back in weird cycles. And now I know that it was from toxic mold. And I had lived in a couple of, I've, at this point, I've lived in multiple moldy places and now I'm, I'm really good at like checking my apartments before I move into places. Um, but that was my root cause of that stuff. And so just like you said, there, there's always something deeper going on. And I'm sure people have experienced this. Like if they have taken doxycycline or some sort of antibiotic, I bet you when you stop it, other symptoms pop up or the acne comes back or something like that, which means you're not, you're not getting to the real issue going on there. So what's the naturopathic approach to addressing acne? Yes, my favorite topic. So of course, finding the root cause and that will include some testing and some labs. But first and foremost, with all of my patients, we start with the basics. So we will begin by taking out any inflammatory foods that aren't working. And those top inflammatory foods are going to be the wheat, the dairy, the corn. And then we're going to get them sleeping better. We want to get all of our patients sleeping better because of the stress component to acne and any inflammatory disease. And once we can get on a good rhythm of those few basics, and if we still see that there's things going on, then we'll do the testing and we'll get to the root cause. So we'll do a hormonal testing. If I feel like it's got a hormonal component to it, we'll do some GI testing to check if there's any overgrowth of bacteria. Sometimes it could be SIBO, sometimes um, other imbalances of, of gut bacteria. And then after that, if that's still not showing anything, then we'll go into some mold analysis and see if that could be a root cause as well. And sometimes it's none of those things. And it's just that the person's amunctories are clogged and they're not processing things properly and that, that their gut is just a little leaky. And changing the diet consistently and letting it heal and giving it the proper nutrition herbs and good bacteria to allow it to heal will clear it right up. And there's not actually like this one thing that's going on. It's not like this actual one bacteria that's getting really tricky and it won't leave. It's essentially just bringing the person back into harmony, healing the gut lining and allowing them to enter a stress-free situation. And a lot of the time, the the outbreaks are also correlated with an emotional time in their life, which is really interesting. And we know that stress can really push us into a disease state. But when we not only remove that stressful event or stressful environment, we heal the emotional aspect of, of what caused it in the first place, that maybe it's a belief, maybe it's a person, a relationship that's unhealed. And that goes a lot into the healing process as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I work with a lot of people with autoimmune diseases and it's the same, same thing. They'll be like, oh yeah. Um, I went through this divorce or a stressful move or my dog died or something like that. And then all of a sudden the symptoms really got bad. So there is, there's always a very strong emotional, stress component to a lot of diseases and even just simple things like acne, like you're saying, are there any specific, really healthy foods or drinks that help having healthy skin? Sure. So any food, and now it's always going to vary, um, huge on individualized medicine and some people do well with certain foods. I'm going to say, and some people won't but uh, fresh foods for sure. So if the person's digestion is, is up to par, because it's really important that it is to eat raw foods, fresh foods, 
-hmm. but it's important to get living food. So if you can get fruit off a tree, that's fantastic. If not getting it out at the store as best as you can, farmer's markets, eating living foods such as sprouts, microgreens, and also, again, if your gut is in good standing, living and fermented foods can also be very beneficial for the gut. And I know this may sound redundant, but water is the preferred drink to have when you're wanting clear skin. It's not going to be your cure-all. I promise you that. But ha having enough water, staying hydrated is so, so important. And I'm a water snob. It's got to be good water. Yes. And this is a huge component um, that I tell my patients is, it's a question that will always come up is what kind of water are you drinking? Are you drinking the water that comes right out of your tap? Now, if you live up in the Northeast or somewhere where it's got fresh water, fresh mountain water coming right out of, off of the Appalachians, then fantastic. Get your water tested. And if it's good to go, drink that delicious well water from the Appalachians. If you're living somewhere like us, so blessed to be at the bottom of the water chain, our water has come all the way down from the Colorado River. It's been shunted through and processed heavily to the point where the water is not even the same water it was when it first fell from the rain cloud and touched the Colorado River. So it's going to be a little more depleted in minerals. It's going to be processed and probably treated with chlorine, fluoride, and knowing the energetics of water and how water actually can emit a biophoton pattern and actually be seen. And now that it's been processed and tossed through the city many times and out of the earth for a very long time, the energetics of it is actually essentially dead. Mm -hmm. So we're 70, 80% water. That's what the numbers are tossed around. And if we're drinking dead water, not only will it probably not get absorbed optimally, but it won't have the healthy structure that a, let's say, water from a spring would have, or water that comes from fruit would have. So getting good water and mineralizing the water is super important. A lot of people are like, oh, it's okay, I have my RO filter, and I hear this all the time, mm -hmm. especially people who have been drinking RO water for like 10 to 15 years start getting heart palpitations, they'll start getting other symptoms, fatigue. And it's because they've been drinking dead, unmineralized water. And minerals are crucial for all of our cells to communicate with each other. They're electric. They're, that's just their communication line. It's through that charge of minerals in the water. And so that is very important. And, and yeah, that's, that's yeah. the basics. Oh, I'd also like to add, you know, I'm not, I'm not vegetarian. I'm not vegan. I talk a lot about the fresh fruits and veggies. Um, healthy, good sourced meats uh, are crucial. Our cells are mostly the outer layer of our cells are fats and we deserve to be having healthy fats. And some of those, most of those are going to be from our grass-fed meats, grass-fed lamb, bison, steaks, a lot of us maybe you're still thinking of a fat-free trend that started a while ago. And obviously that's not the case anymore, but that was total health fraud <laughs> because it's not true. We need our fats. We need good fats, healthy fats, and ones that don't oxidize. And that's going to come a lot from the animal sources. And so not only your fresh fruits and vegetables, but good protein sources that are going to sustain you and have those healthy fats as well. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought up the RO water. Um, I just feel like there should be a giant red warning label on all RO things that say must remineralize water or something because yeah. like, people don't know that, that it takes all the healthy stuff out. So what, what do you use for your water currently living in the Phoenix area? Sure. So I, I grew up next to like right down the road from the spring like a natural spring up in Connecticut. And I just from a young age knew like water from the earth, that's the best. So I actually drive up two and a half hours to Sedona um, 
and there is a spring up there that has actually been tested. It gets tested every year and it's one of the top well, most well mineralized and highest energetics tested in the water, second to Mount Shasta. So Mount Shasta has an amazing spring up there and the energetics have been tested of that water. Mm. Sedona is very close and one of the top, I would say, in the nation. So I go up there with my five gallon to seven gallon jugs. We make it a trip, a whole family trip, and we fill up at the spring. And there's tons of people usually there also filling up. That's practically the only water I drink. And I'm not too strict on, you know, if I'm offered other water at another place, I will. I'll take some sips, but I'm, I would say like 80 to 90% spring water. It's been my choice for the past two, three years. Mm -hmm. And I will, and we do have a Berkey as well. Berkey filter is amazing. We'd have the fluoride filters and I, again, it's going to be cleaner. It's going to be better through the Berkey, but it's not going to have that same energetic imprint that as if you're getting it straight from the earth. So I love the Berkey. It's there. If we do run out and we absolutely need it, but that's, that's definitely my choice. And we also mm -hmm. have the RO, but again, we would get to mineralize that and living a healthy lifestyle can be super hard when you don't live near a store that sells healthy organic foods or when you're just way too busy like me to go to the grocery store and actually shop love shopping online at thrive market thrive market saves you time and effort when trying to shop for healthy food and non-toxic household and self-care products. You can actually get a nice peace of mind knowing that you're getting top quality products that are organic, non-GMO, non-toxic, and I think the best part is that they're sold at wholesale prices. So you're saving about 25 to 50% sometimes. You can find everything there from toothpaste and dish soap to organic wines and grass-fed meat. And my favorite thing to get from there are really all of my pantry staples. So for baking, I love to get all of my grain-free flours and then all of my healthy cooking oils like beef tallow and coconut oil. You can even search for and filter out products by over 90 different values. So things like vegan, paleo, sustainably farmed, non-GMO, and even autoimmune, which I loved using this when I was going through my personal autoimmune healing journey and this was my place to shop. So make sure you head to the link in my show notes so that you can get a free gift when you sign up for a membership through that link. So let's switch tracks. Let's talk about Kundalini yoga. Um, what is Kundalini yoga first of all? Yes. So Kundalini yoga is a form of yoga that really embodies a lot of the different styles of yoga that we see out there. And it was a yoga that was in India and kept secret for many, many years. And in order for people or anybody to learn about Kundalini yoga, they had to master all the other forms of yoga. And what yoga, Kundalini yoga embodies is it uses physical practice, so asana. It, uses chanting and sound and mantra alongside with meditation and sound healing. So it really embodies all the different parts of yoga that I personally love. And this style of yoga came to me quite again, divine timing. When I was younger, I was about 17, 18, just getting into yoga getting so excited to do my headstands and look cool and my little tree poses. And then I have a friend that crossed paths with me and she said, Hey, what are you doing? Uh, doing a headstand. I'm doing yoga. She's like, Oh, wonderful. My mom teaches yoga. You should come check it out. I was like, all right. She's like, I don't do it. It's weird. That yoga is so weird. So I was like, all right, weird. That's my, that's my style. Let's do it. So my first class was kind of the yoga and it was changed my life so profound 
the breath work that was involved, the movement, the sound healing, and the mantras that we used. I was like, if this is weird, I don't want to go to any other yoga ever because this is like the best yoga ever. <laughs> and of course, I practice other yogas now as well. Kundalini yoga has been very powerful and it's transformed my life. So I was looking. It must work really well because you are very calm and present all the time. And I'm sure people can hear it in your voice, but you're like, when I'm around you, it's just like this very like calming presence. <laughs> so Thank you, Rachel. what kinds of effects does this yoga have actually on the mind, body, and the spirit? So what it entails is sometimes holding postures and doing a certain breath pattern. So We'll be sitting down, uh, put our arms up, and I'll be like, okay, do some long, powerful, deep breaths with your arms held up like, like a V over the head. And people are like, oh yeah, I got this. This isn't even yoga. This is great. Like, I don't have to stretch for this posture. And we're like, no, just sit here and breathe. And then I turn on the music and the time passes and we're still, you know, a minute goes by, two minutes go by, and we're still holding the, the arms up. And then what happens is the mind kicks in. All of the belief systems, our self-doubt, our, our ego comes in. It's like, well, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you don't need to do this. Just put your arms down. It's okay. You're not strong enough. You can't do this. You've never done this before. And so all of those things come in. And what I encourage my students to do is to overcome that. So what it does is it's pushing us to our not only physical limitation, because that's that for many people isn't a physical limitation, just holding your arms up over the head, but it's also the mental limitations. So what blocks do we put up to stop us from experiencing the infinite potential that we truly have within us? And not only physically are we gaining strength, but we're gaining that mental stamina. So then when we get off of the mat and we go into the real world and we're faced with these challenges, that mind kicks in. It's like, you can't do this. Remember your unworthiness. You're not powerful enough. You can't. Then we train ourselves on the mat to be like, wait, but I can, because I have surpassed this limitation before in a different way. And I can do it here now. And so it just internally through experience builds this resiliency and this self autonomy and power of like, I can face this challenge head on because not only do I feel it to the core of my being and I've been practicing this but I also have a connection with source and with God and I know and I have that that faith because I personally have experienced that spirit and the physical and mental healing on the mat yeah I love that you said it builds resiliency and self-autonomy and so do you feel like that starts to reflect in your daily life as you practice this yoga? Yes, because now anytime I'm faced with a challenge, I know that I can go back to my mat or even in my chair while I'm working. That's the beautiful, that's the autonomy, autonomy part is we can do it anywhere. We can switch up the breath. We can do a quick meditation or a quick mantra to snap our brain back into that resilient mode, back into that problem solving mode. And so in my own life, yes, I mean, from just interacting with people that I may struggle with or to getting pulled over on by a cop on the side of the street, I use my tools in between all of that from each end of the spectrum. And I'll just sit there, you know, in close my eyes and go right into that space and maybe repeat a mantra over and over and over again, which has its own benefits of retraining the mind, reprogramming the mind to these sacred sounds. And that will immediately calm me and what feels like shifts my entire environment around me. And it feels like I can shift into a more positive outcome if I change my internal state, my internal waters and I'm clear. How long does it take and how often does someone need to practice this yoga in order for them to notice effects like this? So uh, 
practice could last anywhere from three minutes to three hours. So my classes that I teach on Tuesdays, I will teach classes that range for about an hour and a half because that's the deep dive. I mean, we're going into it. We're all together, group energy. We're wanting to really dive deep into this healing experience and overcome whatever it is that our attention is. And there's some days where I don't have an hour and a half to do my own practice. And so three minutes of a, say, breath of fire with a certain posture will do it and will immediately shift my mental and emotional state. Mm -hmm. Can someone get away with doing like one practice a week or something if they're a busy person or, or what, what should they do? Or maybe, maybe explain like, how can someone get started and, and what does that process look like? Yeah, of course. So how to get started would, I would definitely suggest looking at um, a, a practitioner online or a practitioner in your area and just learning how the dynamic of the class works. And once you get an experience with, I would say, one good practitioner, then you can ask that practitioner, what would be best for me? And once you receive a good practice, a good asana, or a good meditation to do, that's like really fit for the person, because there's thousands and thousands of different types of styles of uh, movements and breath patterns and mantras that a person can do and so for me it's just been really nice to get that personally handed to me like okay this is the one that you get to work on um, to reduce anxiety to decrease your headaches to balance even hormones right through some certain postures and breath patterns and once you're familiar with how it's done just one time then receiving that just asking the practitioner, they'd be happy to support you. Um, there's also a great website, 3ho.org, where there's a ton of videos. There's a ton of um, kriyas, we call them, which are the actual practices, meditations, mantras, and they're all really well put together and step-by-step -step shown how to do it and what to do. And of course, if anyone has any questions, I'd be happy to get to them. Okay, awesome. Um, so I wanted to get into so many other things. I wanted to get into homeopathy and hormones and other things. So maybe we'll have to save that for another recording because we're out of time. Um, but I, I always ask everyone this question, which is if you could leave the listeners with one tip for them to implement maybe today or this week to help them live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? Oh, absolutely. So I would say to really address the internal and mental emotional state, whether you're work, whether you're dealing with any physical ailment or mental emotional ailment or poor sleep or whatever that is, finding a way to really calm the inner waters. And we can do that through simply the breath. So what I would like to offer is the power of this specific breath that we do where it's really just an inhalation for five seconds or for a five count, whatever that looks like for you. And then an exhalation for a five count and then holding the breath out for about a 10 count. And as we hold the breath out, it actually will activate our parasympathetic nervous system. And this breath can be done anywhere. It can be done in your chair at work, right before bed. And when we can calm our inner state, we can really start to see the effects of our perception change, our mental emotional state change around us. And when we can address and take on the world in a calm state, which is much preferred if you're wanting to be successful in your relations, in your health, in your work life, career, all of the things. So that would be my take home, take home tip because anyone can do that anywhere. Five count in, five count out, and hold the breath out for 10 count and repeat that for three minutes and watch the changes. Mm -hmm. Can you walk us through it for like two, two cycles really quick? Absolutely.
So go ahead and rest your eyes closed wherever you're sitting. Comfortably feel your sits bones in your chair. Tap into the breath. Just notice the breath as it naturally inhale, maybe the belly comes out. And as you exhale, begin actively inhaling, bringing all that breath down to the base of the spine, expanding the belly. Five, and then exhale all the way. Two, one, and ensuring all that breath is out. Hold the breath out. Two, three, four, five, Seven, eight, nine, ten. And now inhale. Two, three, five. Exhale all the way. Four, two, one. Hold breath out. to breathe normally again. Noticing the shoulders are relaxed. Body has come back to this present moment. And you can take on the world in now a new perspective. Maybe open up your eyes, open to that new and positive experience. Beautiful. Thank you. See, I feel even calmer after just two rounds of that. <laughs> well, I did a, just a, to end on this, I did a, a little pilot study in, in undergrad using that breath and it reduced heart rate, sometimes 10, 20 points and reduced systolic blood pressure by like 20 points doing it for just two minutes a day. Even before the breath was done, the heart, the heart, oh, I'm sorry, the blood pressure was lower after just a week of doing it for three minutes a day. Hmm. So I uh, highly suggest starting there. <laughs> that is an awesome tip. Well, I know we have, uh, we have a free acne scar solution guide and we have your links to social media and your website in the show notes. And then is there anything else you want to share before we go? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Uh, it's been such an honor to speak with you today, Rachel. And yeah, check out my social media and check out the free Acne Scar Solution Guide if that's um, something that you're dealing with. And I trust that that this served everyone. And if you um, can just reach out anyway. Perfect. Thank you, Leah. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And if so, please make sure you leave a comment and rating on whatever podcast platform you're using and share this episode with a friend who needs to hear it. Please remember that this podcast is not meant to treat, cure, or prevent any illness. Always talk to your healthcare provider before implementing any nutrition, lifestyle, or supplement changes you hear about on this podcast. Now, before I go, I want to talk more about how I may be able to help you. If you are someone who is sick of running from doctor to doctor, not getting any answers, but you still know something is wrong, functional medicine is the way for you to go. I have worked with so many people who have been dismissed by doctors, who have experienced things like anxiety, hair loss, PMS, brain fog, eczema, bloating, and other GI issues, and more. But when I run functional medicine labs on these people, we actually find the root causes of what's going on. And this might be things like hidden gut infections, toxic heavy metals, mold, leaky gut, and vitamin and mineral deficiencies. And then with this information, we're able to make nutrition, lifestyle changes, and custom supplementation and herbal protocols, which actually helps these people get rid of their symptoms. I've seen clients reverse rheumatoid arthritis, alopecia areata, 
IBS, and other complex health issues. And I've also seen clients who thought they were generally healthy level up into an optimized and energetic version of themselves that they didn't even know they could access. So wherever you're at with your health, you can book a free health consultation with me by going to the link in the show notes or by heading over to naturalhealthrising.com and book a call there right now so that you can start feeling like yourself again, happy and energized. Okay, that's all I have for you today. Keep tuning in every week to gain more knowledge on how to live your healthiest, happiest life. And make sure to follow me on TikTok and Instagram for additional health information.